Hi there, my name is Alex Faust and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending on what part of the world you are joining us from. My name is Alex Faust, your host of Conversations at the Edge. For those of you who are not familiar with our guest, Dr. Tamsin Woolley Barker, she is an evolutionary biologist, innovation consultant, biomimicry professional, and she's the author of an amazing book called Teeming, uh, How Superorganisms Work to Build Infinite Wealth in a Finite World which is what we're going to be talking about today. And it's the number one Amazon bestseller in many categories. And today, uh, Dr. Tamsin puts her 30 years of deep expertise in evolution and 20 years in business experience to work to provide biomimicry innovation for a global clientele, everything from aerospace and automotive design, consumer products, business models, cities. Um, So she's really helping transform heavy institutional machines into living things that thrive on change. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So thrilled and honored to have Tamsin joining the community today. So welcome, Tamsin. Where are you calling in from? Thanks so much, Alex. I'm in San Diego. Um, Tamsin, to start, for the folks who haven't maybe seen uh, your, your online course or haven't read the book, tell us a little bit about what biomimicry is and what that means for us. Right. So biomimicry is uh, innovation inspired by nature is how we define it. So the idea is that, you know, life has been evolving for 3.8 billion years and only the survivors are left. So everything has been honed to work um, in a chaotic, complex world. So all the problems that we have have already been solved before. So we can learn a lot from just looking at how other species have done it. And in your course, you have a really great Darwin quote. It's not the strongest that survive. It's those that are most responsive to change. So can you tell us a little bit about um, why you decided to, to focus in on change and what that means for companies globally? Right. So, well, as an evolutionary biologist, I'm studying adaptation and how these species adapt to change. And then, you know, as time went by, I ended up in business and I kept seeing the way that we designed our businesses um, is not the way that nature does in order to adapt. So the way that we have best practices and everything is very um, standardized, that's not how evolution does. It relies on diversity and experimentation. So um, I had already had that social evolution kind of training and I, I just saw all the parallels and I started applying it um, so that we can adapt faster. We just have so many challenges coming at us and we have all the answers. It's, it's a structural process problem, I think. And so what type of environments, business environments, uh, does biomimicry do very well in? Right. Well, typically, you know, I get companies, you know, Fortune 500s coming and saying, you know, we'd like to develop a new toothpaste that actually builds teeth or something like that. You know, um, they really want change, like disruptive change. But of course, that takes a lot of money, uh, a lot of R&D. It takes a long timeline. So um, that those real biomimicry product innovations tend to come from um, the bigger companies, but, uh, where I think that the real opportunity is, is in the way that we innovate and adapt. 
Um, so I think it's suitable for everything we do, every, every kind of environment, um, especially for entrepreneurs, because we're more flexible. We can, we can use those kind of things more easily. Do you see, you know, organizations who are taking advantage of structural biomimicry? Are they set up in, in a specific way? Organs like org chart. Wise. Uh, I, I mean, most of the companies that are coming to me now are coming for that structure um, reorganization. How do we design a company to adapt? Um, and and you know, if you look at like ant colonies or honeybee hives, they are using collective intelligence. You know, everybody's got a different perspective, but combined, they can do really amazing things. Um, and then that distributed leadership that suppresses dominance so that you can hold space for all that diversity. Um, those are things that we can use right now. And so to me, um, I think it's really low hanging fruit. It's very accessible and it's, the structures are very simple. Um, you can look at the way that ants or honeybees uh, collaborate and we can apply a lot of the same principles. Can you share a little bit more about how ants and honeybees are collaborating? Yeah. Okay. So they have a queen and a lot of people think, well, that's the leader, you know, they all work for her, but that isn't actually true. She doesn't give any commands. Um, all she's doing is uh, providing some feedback on what kind of workers are required at that time. So what's mostly going on is this distributed leadership where um, everyone's working for a shared purpose and what they do, like the ants, they work in these little trios. They work in, in teams of three. And one of them is a leader, what we call a leader, which is they're much more active socially and they're um, you know, communicating and they're looking at the big picture. And the other two go to work, they're specialists. And so they work in these little trios. And in, that, in doing that, the leaders actually knit it into a fabric. So it's all one thing, um, but no one individual has all the knowledge. And so that's an easy structure for us to mimic. Um, so I'm curious about how do you think about business rather than being a sum of all its parts? How should we be um, viewing, you know, whether it's product lines or different departments or locations, if not parts of a whole organization? Right. Well, I mean, if you think about like a honeybee hive, you know, it'll start with one queen and then she'll produce eggs and then those grow. And then so it's it's growing. And that's how living things do. You don't design it from the top down and press go. It's not a machine. So um, I think that's the, the basic premise. So when you start to think about that, then you're thinking about like, how can we use these trios? How can we distribute leadership? Um, how can we hold space for more diversity and more experimentation? Um, and then the silos, breaking down the silos, you know, if you can have teams that are um, organized around the end goal, uh, like the customer. So you tend to have teams that are more structured around the end product. Like, how are we going to serve this particular customer? And so teams get organized around that and they embed the leadership throughout. So it's not a top-down structure. It's, a, it's like a cell um, that has all the intelligence inside it. And so if we're looking to build like a bottom-up business, would this structure have, you know, say a marketing person, a salesperson, a customer support person, 
and, you know, a leader inside the little pod or how does that kind of distribute throughout the organization? Yeah, well, it depends on the pro- on the end goal because, you know, sometimes you have, if you're dealing with uh, directly with the customers, they like a certain amount of standardization. You know, they want to know that they're getting a, a, a consistent product, but in the in behind the scenes, you need to have that diversity um, of experimentation. So you can have both, but you can really tune it to the situation. Like, let's say you're, um, you know, canning tomatoes, that's something with a fine margin. So you really do have to go for efficiency. Um, but still individuals have the intelligence to know what they need to do to make that happen if you structure for it. So yes, what you're saying is uh, teams that contain all the intelligence they need. So they, the admin and, and all of that is within the team. If there's just one thing you want leaders to leave here knowing today, what, what would you say that is? Uh, I would say that how are we going to learn to adapt if we don't know how adaptation works? So I think um, becoming literate in evolutionary processes and going outside, learning to look at the world and how it works and uh, put that to work in everything you do because we are nature where everything we do is biological. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates. Or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again and see you next time.